0: Good morning. 20 years ago, last Thursday, I woke up very early in the morning because I knew that I was going to have one of the busiest days of my life. And I snuck into this church, and at that point, it was merely a room, a very large room, a very grand room. I had been asked by the Bishop of Charleston, as a seminarian, to spend the entire summer preparing for that one day, right? because I had been asked to be the Master of Ceremonies for the dedication of the new Prince of Peace Church. Now I'm a big liturgy nerd, so of course the bishop is like, oh, this will be great for him, right? But the most complicated service of worship that we have in the Catholic Church is the dedication of a church, right? There were so many different moving parts, and we spent the whole summer making sure that absolutely everything would go perfectly, every movement, every action, every word, everything. And so I came in to this building early that morning to something which was a building. By the end of that day, This place that we are sitting in right now was the house of God and the gate of heaven. Something had totally changed within these four walls forever on that day. Now, the next morning, after being totally and completely exhausted after that day, I said, oh, well, those wonderful people at Prince of Peace have their church. I hope they have a good time with that right? Not realizing, of course, that I would come back as pastor and have been here for 12 years. So you never know what God has in store for you, right? You know, you think you're leaving a place after a significant event and you don't realize that it's just the beginning of a story of your life. So we had this dedication of a church. Now I want to ask a question for those of you who are here today. How many of you were actually at that ceremony of dedication? Stand up, stand up. Okay. Look at that. Okay. We wouldn't be here right now doing what we're doing if it weren't for you guys, right? So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to be Go ahead and be seated. Thank you. What a tremendous gift that the community here at Prince of Peace wanted to build something beautiful for God. Now, we talk about the word church, right? But what does it mean to be the church? What does that actually mean? If you look at the New Testament, the word church in the Greek of the New Testament is ekklesia, which means having been called out, having been called forth from. Right? And we know that those of us who believe that Jesus Christ is true God and true man. We are literally plunged into the life, passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ through the sacrament of baptism. And in doing so, we are called out of darkness into light. We are called forth from slavery and bondage to sin and that punishment for sin which is eternal death, we are called forth out of that place to start moving to the new and eternal Jerusalem of heaven, That's what the church is. Now, what's kind of interesting is that even from the beginning, the use of the word church was to describe the body of the Christian faithful who had, again, been plunged into the life, passion, death, and resurrection of Christ with the sacrament of baptism. That's what the church means. And so the church would then gather in wherever they could find a place to gather, right? And then eventually, the place of gathering took on the same name as the people who gathered there. So when we use the church, we're talking about the people of God, that pilgrim church on their way to the new and eternal Jerusalem, as well as the buildings in which that assembly of the faithful gather. Now, in the earliest centuries of the church, so a church was considered to be dedicated merely by the fact that the church showed up in it, right? But of course, you know, the church is a very wise mother. She realizes that, you know, we need all of these signs and symbols to drive home into our hearts and our minds and our souls and even our bodies the truths of our Christian faith. And so, over time, the church developed this absolutely beautiful and really super complex, right, ceremony to mark the beginning of when the church, the body of Christ, would begin to dwell in a place in which every single thing in it, every square inch, would be dedicated solely to the worship of Almighty God. Now, Many people have never seen a dedication of a church, right? It's a relatively rare thing, although, thanks be to God, we live in South Carolina. We're building churches. Some places they're closing them, right? We're building them. Thanks be to God, what a beautiful blessing. But if you haven't seen it, it really is a spectacular thing, right? The church, the body of Christ, gathers outside of the building and gathers around the bishop right? The successor to the apostles, the successors to those who were with Jesus in the upper room, right? And we gather outside because we remember that we are called forth from that place of darkness into light. And then we go the entire body of the Christian faithful in procession into this building, which still at that very moment is just like any other building. Now, what's so interesting is that after that, the bishop comes in and starts doing all these things that you never normally see at Mass, right? He blesses holy water in the church for the very first time, right? The holy water that reminds us of our entry into the church of baptism. The holy water which reminds us that we are freed from evil and the dominion of Satan, right? And then he goes and he sprinkles the walls and everything and everyone around it with holy water. Right? Now, I want you to think about that with the walls, right? The, the church, the people of God, don't need walls to pray, do we? But If the Lord does not build the house, in vain do the builders labor, right? We read that in the Scriptures. And so because of that, even the walls themselves have that sign that there is an in to the church and there is an out of the church, right? We who come into the ark of salvation, right, then see these walls that are are there upholding and uplifting us and protecting us from evil are sprinkled with holy water, right? And then you'll notice that, and you may have never noticed this before, but you'll notice it and you'll never not be able to see it again after I tell you. See these little crosses that are on all these little gold squares with the crosses in them? There's 12 of them for the 12 apostles, right? One for each one of the apostles. Why? Because the church always has its reference point in the apostles right? The church is not just a random conglomeration of people who say they believe in Jesus, right? There is a historical reality of connection between us in communion with our bishops today who are the successors to those apostles, and they were signed by the sign of the life-giving cross. So, even the walls of the church are signed with the cross and sprinkled, with holy water, right? Because the church cannot stand if Christ is not its foundation and it is entrusted with that deposit of faith which was given to the apostles and to the successors even now to our own day. So then after that, the bishop begins to take that beautiful oil called chrism that we use in some of the sacraments, right? Now, if you've ever had a baby baptized at Prince of Peace, you know that after the baptism, we take this oil, right, which was used in antiquity for many reasons, one of which being for athletes when they were about to go into a competition. Think of like the Greek Olympics, right? They needed to kind of limber up, and that oil helped them to do that, right? The scriptures are filled with the symbolism of oil, right? As the Holy Spirit running down upon the beard of Aaron, right? And so the church in her rites shows our belonging to that royal and priestly house by that oil, that we are athletes, right, in the competition for glory with that oil. And that chrism has something added to it, balsam made from trees. Just as a tree was the beginning of our downfall, right, remember the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the wood of the cross, the tree of life, restores us. And so that balsam is added to that oil, You have a baby baptized, and you know, I love to take that chrism and just smear it as much as I can on that baby, right? Their mamas don't want to wash the baby for weeks after because he or she smells so good, Right? that perfume of holiness which rises to the heavens. And so the bishop takes that very same oil, that chrism, and anoints the crosses upholding the walls, and then goes to the altar of sacrifice. Now, the very top of the altar itself is marked, and you don't see this, right, because it's covered with all this stuff. We'll get there, right? with five crosses. Why five crosses? For the five wounds of Christ on the cross. Now, the ritual prescribes, and we've done this for centuries, that the bishop takes the chrism and anoints those five crosses on the altars. Now, Bishop Baker, who was the Bishop of Charleston at the time, had a vivid sense of the reality of signs and symbols, right? And he said, don't be stingy with these things. And so I remember I was his master of ceremonies, the only time when anyone ever gets to tell the bishop what to do, right? And I indicated in the book what he was supposed to do, okay? he's very obedient, Bishop Baker. And he takes this enormous vial of chrism, and I will remember this until my dying day. He looks at it, and he goes, pours the entire vial all over this altar. There's literally oil everywhere. And of course I'm thinking, how on earth are we ever going to clean all of this up because we actually have to say mass on this thing, right? But think about how beautiful that symbolism is, right? That the anointing of Christ overflows in abundance over us if we give ourselves over to the wounds of Christ and we allow them to be renewed and restored through the resurrection. Now, of course, after that, then you've got to clean all that stuff up, right? And then these huge cauldrons came out in which incense was put upon them. And if you think that we use a lot of incense here in Prince of Peace, you were not here that day, right? Heaping incense put on so that this huge pillar of cloud rose up into the heaven and filled every square inch of the, of the place with the prayers of the saints, a reminder that when we come into this church, it's not just us, it's not just human beings who love Jesus, but all of heaven is present whenever the church gathers in these buildings consecrated to the worship of God. Every single square inch permeated with that beautiful smoke and that beautiful smell of incense and then the dressing of the altars, right? You know, we come into Mass, and so often we just see so many things, and we've seen them our whole lives, and we just don't really stop to think about it, right? Because they're just there. But the cloths on the altar, there's traditionally always three cloths on the altar, and two of them are very special, okay? I want you to think about the baby Jesus. We learned this story from the time that we're little, okay? Is born in the city of Bethlehem, right? and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and put in a manger. And so often when we think about that, we're like, well, that's cute, right? And we don't stop to think about how absolutely, incredibly significant this is. Because the city of Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread sheet that was put over the dead body of our Lord when he was taken down from the cross of Calvary and put into the tomb. And all those things remind us that the altar, the center of our church, is that connection with the Apostles centered around Jesus in the upper room at the Last Supper. That we are present at Calvary. We're present in the tomb when they put Jesus there and present in the tomb in which the stone was rolled away and he was not there anymore because he had risen from the dead. And then only after all of that are all of the candles in the church lit. Remember, the church that has been called forth, called out of darkness, over the waters of death, into life, that that light permeates the building with its beauty and its glory and its warmth. And candles are lit in the church from that point forward. Only after all of that is done, Mass finally begins. The holy sacrifice of the Mass is celebrated for the very first time. Now, I want you to think about how amazing this is because it means that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass has been celebrated in this church almost every single day for 20 years. Everything that happened in the life of Jesus is made present to us here and now every single day in the sacrifice of the Mass even when we had that absolutely horrific event that none of us ever want to live through again called COVID, right? I was still here celebrating mass and the church, the body of Christ was still united. Some of y'all were watching on the internet in your jammies on the couch, right? right? But you were still present, right? Because the church continued to fulfill its function even in those darkest of times. What a tremendous gift. And think not only about that, think about how many children and adults have been baptized at that font, right? Faith made alive once again, not just once or twice or three times or a hundred times or a thousand times. I've lost count of how many baptisms are here. How many soldiers of Christ have been confirmed in their faith with the sacrament of confirmation? How many sinners reconciled to God through the sacrament of penance? How many through the sacrament of the anointing of the sick have received healing for body, mind, and soul? How many couples have begun their domestic church right here in this place? Again. All of these amazing and beautiful events happen here on a daily basis all day long, right? And that's why it's always important for us to take a moment to remember that day and to remember the so many beautiful and amazing gifts that happen in this place. Even when sometimes we just show up for mass because it's Sunday and that's what we do, right? There's so many things that are constantly going on. And so today is a day for us to remember the past and to celebrate and to realize that for those of us who are marked as the church by the sign of faith, the best is yet to come.